Hello everyone and welcome to the special party episode. This is actually our second annual party episode. I know those people on the internet get all upset when you say first annual, so we couldn't do that, our first episode. And also, I didn't know it was going to be an annual thing. That's also kind of secondary reason why I didn't call it the party episode. We got the guys back, we're in our first episode. We got Christian from Pathfinder Academy. Hello. We got Ryan, who's been on the show as well. Memes. <laughs> Great. And we have Andrew from Tales from the Lich. Hello, boys. You know, last time we had you on, Andrew, uh, this last party episode a year ago, you guys were still, uh, softly speaking, Sanskrit. So a year marking new things. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a big change. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, uh, Kyle from Amove TV wasn't able to join us this year. We'll see if we can't get him back next year. It's a big disappointment. But uh, he's a busy, 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 busy guy, and he's really trying to craft for himself and this new medium a real profession. So we wish him all the best luck and hope that he uh, finds a lot of success. But guys, I have gone to Reddit, friends, and I know that was my first mistake, but I got them to help us make this episode. So I want you to look forward to later on the episode, we're going to have a sort of family feud sort of game going on uh, where the answers were provided by our good friends at Reddit. Oh, no. Oh, golly. R slash Pathfinder underscore RPG. Yes, that's exactly right. I don't know if that's the way everyone says everything. Usually, we don't just read the URLs. Of he forgot HTTP. Yeah, where's the HTTPS? Come on. There's two it's different secure. Pathfinder subreddits, Caleb. You got to be specific. So uh, this this thing is just to kind of celebrate. The first time we did this, it was like fifty thousand views, and we're all excited about that now. But you know what? That's in the past. We're in the present here, and this is where we're gonna have all of our fun. And but I just want to celebrate. You know. At this time last year, we got we had about I don't know it was like uh, we celebrated no five thousand plays that's what it was, and in a year's time we've now reached over seventy five thousand all time downloads. That's amazing, man! Good job. Yeah, we're real excited. It's all time, so I mean that sounds more impressive than it is. If I gave you like the stuff from the last three months, it's a little bit smaller, but uh, <laughs> you know we we are, we are excited with that and. Uh, but we're just happy that people actually care about anything that's coming out of our mouths. As a matter of fact, the party episode was one of the most uh, popular episodes for quite some time. Hmm. And this one's going to top the charts. Get ready. <laughs> Make way. <laughs> the, the traditional reason people do these collab episodes is because they want to get views from whoever's listening. So, like, so I want to get softly speaking Sanskrit views. And then... Well, I guess Ryan doesn't really provide anything. But Ryan, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's the personality is why I actually have us all here because I really love the stuff Andrew does. And, and all this here is just for us to have some fun. So let's have some fun, guys. I got some questions for you. Last time we played Would You Rather. Uh, instead, I got something else for you. Uh, this, I'm going to start out with a strong one here. What thing have you done that bombed the most? Oh, are you talking about like as a GM? Or, like, yes. in my life, because I can go into great detail. <laughs> you know, we don't have enough time for what would be in your life. Why don't we just stick to the RPG world? Let me tell you about how I enrolled at Stockton. <laughs> <laughs> how long you been there now? Last year you were talking about Stockton as well. Oh, man, I've, I've been here for four years, and maybe one day I will just go on and continue to be Chancellor of Fun at Gaming Club forever, but, Here's another, I mean... To, to another four years, gentlemen. And four more years. It's terms. <laughs> I'm on a term-by-term basis for my bachelor degree. Then maybe you'll finally walk out with your associates. (laughs) (laughs) Ow. thing that Mm. bombed the most. Mm Mm-hmm. There was that time I bombed my players. (laughs) Okay, a a literal translation, but but I I accept it. The judges say, they'll allow it. (laughs) There was once an entire campaign that I did that bombed. 
Oh, oh, please, what happened? Oh, uh, we, this was um, when I first started jamming at Stockton. I was part of the gaming club. I think I brought this story up a little bit before. Me, there was a lot of people. There was too many people to have one gaming group, and there was one other GM, and I had just started GMing, so we were like, let's split it up, but let's do like a dual GM kind of thing, where we have two groups of players in the same world, and they occasionally interact with each other. Which is like, you know, just listening to the elevator pitch, that doesn't sound like a terrible idea, but the problem is is that it's a terrible idea. It never works. <laughs> I shouldn't say never. There's probably a way to make it work, but me and the other GM had, like, these very different ideas of how it was going to work. I remember being a part of, of that campaign, and this was, I think, if not my first, it was one of my very, very first time ever delving into the role-playing world. I was, like, happy-go-lucky. There's, like, a little doe in the middle of the field. Like, oh, it's so exciting. Little did I know. It's hunting season all around me, and the GMs are trying, are yelling at each other, and the players <laughs> are having stuff. I'm like, so, like, how do you cast a spell again? Is this, like, a, can I be a summoner? I'm not sure how this works. <laughs> I'm playing with 20 other players who are trying to take turns in initiative. Yeah, it was overall just a nightmare. I had good, we had good ideas, but they never went through, and everything kind of fell apart by the second half, and we were just kind of running around doing a romp around different element lands, and then it all came together for a terrible finale where the bad guys oh, won yeah. and destroyed the world. That was that was a <laughs> hell of a time. Listen, when I first GM'd, I wasn't the smartest. I continued to keep that trend going. But, in, uh, well, I had my players, they were in this like other dimension where angels and demons were fighting. It was super cool, and they were all scared of the whole battle. It was exciting. It had exactly what I wanted to happen. Except at the end of the battle, you know, there was all these corpses on the ground. These high-level, super cool angels. So, a player's like, I just, I just, I guess I just take his armor. And I'm like, okay, I guess I don't, I guess I can't stop. Yeah, you take his armor. So, this guy has, like, armor. It's at least ten levels above him. And I'm like... Alright, I need him to be threatened and something chases him. And it took, like, a CR-20 creature to even get through his AC. Now, when I see a CR-20, not everyone is listening to this episode understands Pathfinder. But that's, like, 20 is the highest level you really get to. So it took, like, the highest level. Cthulhu had to hit him to get past that, that armor. That was that was a mistake. And I, w- I didn't actually know how to get rid of him. Matter of fact, I think he, he left the game before I could figure out how to stop Mr. Super Awesome Armor Guy. There'd be there'd be encounters where my players be like, we just kinda we just kinda let John do it. John's got armor, he'll just take care of it. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Okay. John does a twenty three hit racy. <laughs> uh I believe it does not. Great. Alright. Well, your turn. Did not go well. Caleb made mistakes. I mean at at that point you would just have to tell him to retire his character, right? Like you're too powerful if you use this, you just have to you have to go sit in a throne for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. I think Christian helped me out with this one. Uh, before the guy left, uh, I was trying to come up with ways, and uh, one of the ideas I came up with was, it's angel armor. This character is like a thief, and he's does all these most scoundrel-like uh. things. What if the angel armor didn't like being worn by somebody like that? And mm. Every time he did something like that, the armor would hurt him in some way. Uh and it was supposed That's to eventually smart. lead to him like, okay, well, I got to give this up. But he ended up leaving the game before that got to that point. I like that, though. I like, That's a good idea. Yeah, that is. You're welcome, Caleb. Thank you. Uh, I'll take, you I will take all that praise. GM. Thank you. <laughs> we're, today, kids, we're going to the Rust Monster Park. Everyone put on your shiniest, brightest armor and dive on in. All right, so if, if we're talking about biggest bombs, are we talking stuff that I've published or stuff that I ran and we didn't even publish because it bombed so hard? To oh us. man, whatever's the most entertaining story. Alright, hold on. I need more whiskey. Um, <laughs> so, 
I guess I could do both. Uh, I think the the thing that we published that bombed as far as like while we were running it, everybody hated it was Cyberpunk. Uh, the only person that liked it was one player. Everybody else hated it until I fixed it through editing. Wait, the one but, you published? Yeah. That's really surprising. Everybody hated it. And uh, I think a big part of the reason is because like we're a bunch of people that get around and we drink and we have fun and we joke and stuff. And Cyberpunk was super serious. And there's, you know, the whole tone was supposed to be, this is the world of Cyberpunk. You know, it's soulless. It's everything sucks. You just have to kind of deal with it. And I don't think the players enjoyed doing any of that. They would rather, you know, have fun and, and do something ridiculous. Andrew, that's crazy, because that might be my favorite campaign you guys have run so far. Yeah, we uh, we had a we had long conversations about, do we restart it, or uh, do we just scrap it, because it just it sucks, or what do we do? So, wow. Yeah. I'm surprised. How far yeah. into that campaign did you go? We, we finished the whole thing. Um, oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. How, but, many, uh, how many sessions was that? Uh, I want to say that was four sessions total. Okay, so not that, not too long. Yeah. More like well, a, you're a kind good of editor, art. I guess. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, when I say four sessions, that's pretty long for us because we don't do the uh, you know like year long campaigns or anything like that. We usually stick to like five or six episodes max per mm-hmm. setting, and then we switch to something else. Oh, the things that bombed so hard that we didn't even put out. Uh, we've done twice now. Uh, we've tried to do Halloween episodes, which sucks so bad. That we just like we have to stop it. We've we've tried to replicate the genius that was the guest DM episode. Mm-hmm. That if you've listened to it, it's a little bit about poop. Um, wow, I can relate. <laughs> and and so we we tried doing that twice, and both times it something happened and it failed. And by the end of it, we all knew that it was like, well, this isn't funny and we just wasted like a good four hours of not being oh. funny yeah you, you know this is something sometimes you just catch lightning in the bottle and you can't do it again that's true that's i think that's we learned our lesson this time was I it think. just the setting or was it like the the trappings of the setting like the actual things happening I th- so the first time we tried it and it failed to recreate it it was the setting and the DM was unprepared slash way too drunk at that point to do it. The was that his second character or was that reality. That was reality. It's, <laughs> I mean, if if you ever hear Brian doing DMing like the Chamber or something, you know that he's drunk constantly. Um, <laughs> the the second time was we had we had everything in place and we thought everything was going to be great, and we had this like we had this about five hour window of opportunity to record before everybody's life is chaos and we can't record for like another couple months. Sure. And then at the last minute, two people dropped out. Ouch. And, and so we were just sitting there like, I guess we can try to do this without two people and it didn't work. Shame, shame, man. You know, Halloween themed, like any sort of event themed episode, this episode itself is coming out on October 31st. And I actually, I find it an interesting tightrope to walk it's an interesting feat to achieve to come up with like a one shot one shots period are very difficult i know there's some gms that just say i don't believe a one the the one shot exists there's no good satisfying one shot i kind of disagree with that but there's it's that difficult as that much reputation and so i tried a halloween themed episode not episode uh session this is way before i started recording 
And because, you know, it was Halloween. I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays. It's very close to my birthday, which, by the way, guys, when this is published, my birthday was yesterday. Um, Happy birthday, Caleb. Happy birthday. I was born in a mischief night. Maybe that explains why I'm just so messed up. Uh, (coughs) Explains a lot of things. Uh, My wife is nodding right now. Very hard. All right. So thank you, honey. Love you, too. But I did that. I tried to do that. I ended up kind of fitting in with one of the things that that bombed. It went very well for, for like a period of time. This... I had the, the benefit of running an eight-hour session, all right? With, say, maybe an hour break for lunch. I mean, it ended up actually like seven hours of dice time. And so, like, I had that's a lot of time that gives you enough time. A one shot of three hours is, is really tough to pull off. So it actually ended up going really well. I had a nice mystery, and they, and they solved the mystery. But I did such a poor job of communicating that the mystery was solved, they were still, like, going on. And I'm like, how do oh. I just, without just telling them, you did it. This is the end of the... The session's over. I didn't know how to how to end it, and they kept going on. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Eventually, after just meandering for another 20 minutes, I said, "You, you, go, you guys did it. I didn't. I messed up. I didn't communicate well enough. You did it. All right." And they ended up being like, they were so unsat- unsatisfied with the ending that they gave up like their own ending. They started saying, "All right, you know what? How about the dark sky now starting to get light again? Now that we solved this thing." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I guess that makes sense." And they kept. Going. They had to finish it for me. I had messed up so bad, but it was good up until then. So about six hours of good, and then an hour of bad. That might reflect my life. You know, a good portion of good, and then oh, I failed out of school. <laughs> okay. So I'm only really happy about uh, my bad one because Christian literally clicked uh, the URL bar and guessed exactly what part of my campaign he thought was bad. And I, I already had that in my mind. Great. He literally so read my mind. Your friend right next to you can be like, it was this, by the way. Uh, it's it's no secret because, uh, so I was just really tired that day, and I want to say it was probably immediately after my concussion. So I was I was just incredibly uninspired, but like I had to do something. And my players get to this, this big elven city, and it's like a big democracy thing, and there's like politics going on, and I'm pretty happy with that part, but... At some part, uh, I give someone, like, a bonus leadership feat because they don't have a lot going on for them in combat, so I want them to be able to do things in combat. Like, I don't want them just sitting there and, like, oh, well, I I could shoot arrows or I could cry. Maybe my team will feel better about that. So I I give them a companion that's, like, a bow guy. And before the bow guy joins them, I'm like, oh, he, he needs a reason to help them. He's like, I have this one vindictive quest and I must go on it. And they're like, what's the quest? And I'm like, uh... Johnny keeps pooping in the drinking water. What? And everyone's like, wait, really? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Johnny is drinking in the pooping water. <laughs> or pooping in the... He's drinking the oh, poop no. water. Oh, no. Wait, stop. <laughs> wait, I th- Listen, Andrew's episode is all about poop. You don't have to... So it's it's close enough to that. Basically, though, they go and they're, they're like, okay, I guess we're going to confront this guy. And they go there, and then there's this guy just with his pants down on the well... And he's just, he's letting loose. And he looks at him, he's like, so you're back, huh, Spalding? <laughs> Here to fight again. <laughs> and the party takes him on. He's like, a mildly hard ca- encounter. I want to say someone almost died, but I guess that happened quite a bit, so. Was his pants uh, down either the way, though, they're time. like, I, I guess we I know right we where I'd want to get my critical hit off. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was a huge segue from, like, when I was trying to keep a very serious campaign into this it's pretty much a joke of an episode and i felt really really awful about it afterwards was it just you randomly improv and you improv the wrong thing i absolutely did like i uh i just i don't know i i pulled something out of the bag but like it wasn't like my bag of tricks it was like you wish you could put it back absolutely (laughs) oh man uh well 
so how about Halloween episodes? Andrew said he tried one and it did not go well. I tried one. It went well, kind of. Then went not well. Have you ever had any luck with a Halloween-themed episode? Uh, I keep saying episode, session. I mean, so it wasn't necessarily supposed to be a Halloween episode, but I'm running a one-shot for uh, Christian and our friends right now. And uh, it's tour-themed. Uh, it takes place in Cheliax uh, at a place I made up called Gutsglau. And it's, it's kind of like a Shadow Over Innsmouth twist, and I, I can't really give out a lot of plot details, but, like, I tried to make really visceral puzzles and stuff where, like, sinews and stuff are being moved around to form symbols, and I made, like, a cipher out of paper and stuff, and it's it's been going pretty good so far. Uh, there hasn't been any combat or anything, but, like, I'm trying to keep it really intrigue-based. So are you worried that it's gonna go past Halloween? Because it sounds like it's more than a one-session thing. Actually, I'm... So I'm running it tomorrow night. I might be able to finish it tomorrow night, and if not, I might be able to do it the week after. So it would probably run to Halloween. Oh, good. You don't want to end a week before Halloween. Uh, Halloween, guys. But if now I do start it doing Halloween, our Christmas episode, I'm, I'm gonna have to bring candy to the session and give it to all of them, and then tell them that there's like razor blades in them, and be like, "Ha, ah, that's oh, the no. horror part." <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's the the hard thing I think, especially with any published work, is that. You know, we're trying to put things out on a schedule, on a deadline, and it's hard to predict exactly when, all right, this episode is going to come out at this time, and I, and I want to make it themed to the holiday. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all are so close, it almost seems kind of like you have to jump, and, and I think maybe you have to pick one of those uh, to kind of, if you want to settle on hitting a holiday time. There's nothing worse than listening to, like, a Christmas-themed episode in the middle of March. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to a back catalog, but I mean, like, a current episode's coming out, you know? Only July is acceptable for off-season Christmas episodes. That's right. Christmas in July. <laughs> That's it. Our, our July episode is going to have nothing to do with any sort of Christmas thing, but I'm gonna. It's going to have Christmas music just randomly throughout the whole <laughs> thing. Your, your Christmas music or your Christmas uh, episode can have to do with global warming and the fact that there's no snow on the ground and Santa's fake, and it's going to be really <laughs> depressing. <laughs> Kids, put your parents away for now. I want you to listen to this one by yourself. Santa's not real. Your parents been lying to you. Your mom put that money under your pillow. Tooth Fairy Ain't Real. Out! Thank you for listening. We appreciate your patronage. Alright, Reddit. I have que- I have questions, they have answers. Alright? We're gonna play fa- a sort of family feud. You guys ever watched that? It was a very, very low-running, uh, a short-running uh, thing hosted by Drew Carey where it was based on percentages. We're gonna be kind of doing that, alright? I gave a question to Reddit, gave them a poll, and they answered it, and you guys are gonna guess... What percent? What percent answered which way? And we're doing prices right rules, so it's like the uh, close you can without going over. So the first question I asked him was, uh, or or the statement was, I have lied about my dice rolls. What percent said yes, and what percent said no? I'm gonna go with uh, 93 percent said yes. Okay, Caleb, I'm gonna come at you with a solid 69 percent. Better than a flash at 69%, I suppose. I'll be the eternally hopeful one and say 0%. Wow, what a loser. <laughs> I bid $1, Drew. <laughs> All right. Wow, this is... I cannot believe how freaking close this was. Uh, the answer is, have you ever lied about your dice rolls before as a player? 68% said I no. I made a joke. They said No. <laughs> Only 32% said yes, which makes our, our, our winner Christian. Christian, you got that one. You guys have no faith in your players. What's wrong with you? Have you lied about your dice rolls? Oh, yeah. 
That was so quick, Andrew. <laughs> There's no question. Was it? Yeah. What, what, what were the circumstances where you would lie? What makes you lie about your dice rolls when you do? Usually it's uh, when I'm DMing and I need the action or narrative to keep going. Okay. And say I accidentally roll like a critical oh, sure, that sure, would sure. wipe somebody. I think I meant like, as a player. I think we all can agree that we, as GMs, you almost have to. Yeah, pretty, oh, pretty yeah. much. As a player, I can't remember doing that. But as a GM, I definitely do. As a player, so, I feel like I want to say yes, like maybe I did at some point. But I yeah. really I really enjoy where the story goes when I screw up. So I, I yeah. generally don't. Yeah. So I did a Dark Heresy campaign, and I lied about my dice rolls in that because the margin for success is so low, and uh, the repercussions for failing is just so high. Like, uh, if you mess up one roll, like, your character goes insane and you kill the whole party. And, like, you're, you wake up covered in blood and then a demon crawls down your throat and you're dead. And that's the oh, end of everything. Dark Heresy is ridiculous. Uh, we, we played a one-shot. It was a, a pre-made campaign thing. And the first thing you do is you're supposed to, like, climb this cliff face. None of us had the climb skill for our <laughs> pre-generated characters. So we all failed and just critically injured ourselves or died trying to Yeah, climb. like, <laughs> goodness. Dark, Dark Heresy isn't something you mess around in, so... I mean, when I'm the the ultra strong guardsman and I'm surrounded by like these wimpy like psychers and stuff, and I make a willpower save because the demon wants to make me murder them all, I kind of fudged it so I didn't kill the whole party. Yeah. What a so what's the draw to that? Is that like that whole system is always like that? Do people just like that big risk, big reward? It's not even necessarily big reward is the best part. It's like, wow, you did it. And then it's like, you failed? Well, not only did you fail, you failed forever. <laughs> forever, ever. Big risk, minuscule reward. More like just status quo. You do get through the door. Yes, you do walk forward. You did put... It's like, are you like playing... Is it Quop, the role-playing game? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> All right, question number two. Uh, 33 people survey. Top answers are on the board. Have you ever played as a character of the opposite sex? Hmm. Andrew, what do you say? Oh, jeez. Uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a solid 50%. I like people going with solid percents because if anyone gives me like a flimsy ethereal percent, I'm going to be upset. You said 50% <laughs> say yes or no, obviously. Ryan? Uh, I'm I'm going to say a, a very corporeal uh, <laughs> 60%. Well, I'm glad mm. it was corporeal. 60% said what? Uh, yeah. that they yes. played a a, a, the character of the other gender. All right, and Christian, what do you say? Well, as the scavenger here, I'm gonna go for fifty-one percent. You jerk! You <laughs> what a butthead! All right, maybe we should mix up the initiative order. I feel like I have an unfair advantage. Fifty-one <laughs> percent said yes. All right, fifty-eight percent of players oh. said they had not played a character of the opposite sex, making it forty-two percent of players said yes they have played a character the opposite sex making nobody the winner none of you nice. got that low your jerk move christian failed you yet again <laughs> i i was about to offer andrew christian's address so he could just mail him whatever he wanted like <laughs> like like a punch just for being such a jerk oh <laughs> i wonder what it could be just, ah fist super special awesome great gift that you should totally open it's not bad <laughs> from andrew uh, from no, it just says from your best friend yeah. ever. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. Yeah. Oh no way! He mailed me something cool. He's such a cool guy. Um, so I've on Reddit. I also asked them another question. I asked them, 
what tropes do you think are the most overused? And I want to throw that question you guys before I get to their answers. What do you think are some of the most overused tro uh, tropes, either storytelling by the GM or the players doing something? As a character trope, I would say orphans is one of the most. You've you've nailed the top one that Reddit that Reddit mentioned. It was orphans. I'm a genius. All my parents are dead. He's like, I'm playing a game. Four of my five players are orphans. Yeah. <laughs> Dead parents are just a meme among us now, really. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, in Christian's campaign, my character recently found a sword that's just covered in notches, and I was like, yep, all right, this this belongs here. <laughs> it's for every parent killed. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't there are adventurers around just killing all these people. I mean, I figure, like, you know, you get arrested, you have to kill the guards to get out. What do you care? You, you have to protect your character. You're probably creating a lot of orphans. So... I just don't know. It's a fascination with people being like the the loner, kind of the cool, silent, stony loner for some reason that never has parents. Like, and I think it's like everyone's first initial reaction when they yep. think of heroes. And I think it's just ingrained in the fantasy genre and even in the like comic book superhero genre. It's ingrained in there, and I don't know how we get it out, but it needs to go away. Yeah, someone on Reddit was saying that they think the reason is because they're afraid that the, their backstory will be used to exploit them by the GM or something. I wonder if it's a mistrust of GMs. Really? Huh. Could be. That's actually yeah. an incredibly interesting point because I've never thought of that myself. If I don't have parents, he can't use them to make my character seem more likable and real. I've made all this work to make my character seem detached, and all, and all of a sudden it's like mom comes here. There's there's a saying uh, in the Bible, uh, no prophet is respected in his hometown, including Jesus. Was in his own hometown. They're like, I grew up with this kid. We talked about Don't you remember that loser Jesus? In his I remember when he sandals. did this thing. Yeah, exactly. He made my chair. He was a carpenter. What's going on here? Uh, that's, that's the reality of it, I think. So sometimes that can be the... What's what's going on? I mean, everyone wants to be Shadow the Hedgehog. Oh no, oh, no one wants to be. Ah, my ears. Why are they bleeding all wait. of a sudden? Hedgehog with guns. Why say go? Why? I can't Caleb. think of a Sonic character I want to be. I want to be the Ring. <laughs> you're saying, <laughs> you're saying you don't want to have soaps and just like cruise around skate parks all day on your soaps. Every, okay. Everyone right. wanted the Andrew, soaps. You've got me, Andrew. Expect a package from your best friend coming soon. Yes. <laughs> I hope it's I hope it's glitter. I'm gonna hire you to clean soaps. it. Yeah. Jokes on you! You'll be hiring me every day for the rest of the year. You just made me a million dollars. All right, that's fine. You know the, the, the yeah, big vast podcasting money that I know you have, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, you those two bucks. <laughs> Notice the two people who have podcasts laughing. Just, just, and the other two players like, oh, what is that? Why is that funny? <laughs> yeah, we don't make money. <laughs> Setting in money over here. <laughs> so, uh, what other kind of tropes you guys think are out there? We, we've got the most one, most overused. Uh, we think here. What else? Was it? It's both storytelling and like PC tropes, right? Sure. Yeah. Either one. I definitely think in storytelling, uh, and I'm guilty of this too. GMs use like the world-ending trope way too much. Sure. Like, okay, uh, we're all level two, three NPCs, or PCs, and then as soon as we come out, it's like, by the way, guys, you've got about seven levels to go save the world, mm -hmm. otherwise the world's destroyed. Chosen ones? Yeah, kind of, chosen ones. Like, you, you can't just have a story where it's like, oh, this this bandit, like, attacked my town, and I'm, like, hunting him for revenge or something. It, it's gotta be, like, impending doom, everyone in danger. There's nothing small-scale. And even when you try to do small-scale, a lot of times it just gradually goes up. So, so you're talking like I don't know if you guys have watched Supernatural, but it sounds like okay, the yeah, last I have. 
the last like six seasons of Supernatural, where it's always like, oh, the world's going to end again. Eh, yeah, you guys I, got it. I hate that. I loved it when it was like Monster <laughs> of the Week. They were like going around. They're like, okay, today's a Yeti. Let's go kill a Yeti. And they're like, oh, Wendingo. So a Native American Yeti. Let's go kill the Yeti. And they're like, oh, ah, <laughs> Bigfoot. Second. So Northeastern <gasps> Yeti. Was everything just a form of Yeti? <laughs> Everything's Yetis, I mean, man. I don't want to give away the story. Why is the Sandman covered in fur? <laughs> ah, the cookie monster, the American Yeti. <laughs> of course, our Yeti is just a fat thing that eats a lot. But yeah, like, absolutely. And the the worst thing about, like, and using Supernatural as an example, they, like, they save the world and then they go right back into, like, the world's in danger again. It's, it doesn't go back to, okay, now we're doing, you know, normal things again. Right, they already escalated it to the max, and then they're like, well, I guess we have to keep it there. We have exactly. to keep redlining at the max. I, I hate that. Did we get it? Is that one of the categories, Caleb? Uh, <laughs> Did that whole well, entire spiel? Reddit Reddit was not creative enough to come up with that one, but I totally agree with you guys there. I think that it's what you're saying, you, you've escalated to the max. It's like any anime where it's like, uh, this world's going to end unless you find the five crystals. Oh, man, this is this is really popular. Now there's 200 crystals that you need to find <laughs> before the because you can only escalate it in so many ways. There's only so much you can do when everything's the next big guy's going to destroy the world. You kind of almost lose that. You lose the intenseness, the interestingness of it, the challenge of it. You're not as scared about it anymore because you're like, eh, hey, we've saved it every time. And and it also makes it more difficult to go back to the to the day to day because it's like we were just killing gods. I mean, what am I going to do? Open up a blacksmith shop? I think yeah. they can make it difficult. I don't. I don't want to say that it's not that that's not part of a story, and that you don't want that to be there. But I think that you need to be very careful in how you do it. I don't think I've ever had the world being destroyed. I've always had it where it's like you might as well have destroyed the world. You might as well just burn the world now because it's become so bad, and we need to fix this, or we need to stop it from becoming so bad. Because uh, at least there, there's still something more to do. There's still something more to go on to. And there's, I mean, some things are just interesting. Ending the world kind of bothers everybody, but if four out of your five characters don't have family, what do they care? You know, I'm loners and I don't care. It's all about me. Okay, I'm, 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 I made my peace with death. But if you make it more about them, you give them stories that are more connected to them, then they'll, they'll even be more excited about stopping the villain, even though it's a lesser, there's a lesser um, frame of threat. It's not threatening the whole world, it's just threatening them. But listen, this villain five times in a row smacked us in the face and got away with it. We ain't letting him do it a sixth time. One of the that uh, the Redditors here, is that what you say, Redditors? Listen, I'm a funny junk guy. I don't I don't know what to do with here with this oh, Reddit. What? Don't stop saying that out loud, Caleb. I told you don't say that in public. <laughs> I'm weeping now. Uh is the warrior for justice and good, whom just murder hobos his way through everything. I like the word murder oh, hobo. Okay. Murder hobo, yeah. Murder hobo is a great term. Murder hobo is my favorite term for role-playing. <laughs> That's my occupation. It's all my degree. <laughs> you you have a bachelor's in murder hoboing? Yeah, dude. You can get anywhere with a murder hobo degree. <laughs> it's true. I mean, like, what are they going to tell you? Don't murder me? <laughs> and, then, and then you murder him and you live him. Exactly. Now you have a job out of the yeah. office. It's a positive feedback loop. <laughs> so I, I think like the, the warrior for good and justice though is like most characters can roughly fit in an archetype. I, I guess I don't like the murder hobo part because like I guess it's it's pretty bad to be a murder hobo and just murder everybody literally. But like I, I've always found it interesting and almost difficult to be a, a true warrior for good. Like because you get so many decisions where you can be evil or you have to steal or, sure. or do something questionable. And, like, questionable in not even, like, your eyes, but everyone else's eyes, too. Sure. 
oh my gosh, every campaign I ever run is I I hate the A B decision. I, I hate the clear. We either stop the orphans from burning alive or we go kill the orphans. Which one should we pick? Yeah. I always liked it to make it a little more interesting. Choices that aren't like they're more gray area. They're less black and white. Or give two white options and they have to choose between them. Like the dragon is burning the town down, but that guy over there is he's getting away with the evil gem of Hikubaba BB of the murder hobos. I my favorite. Use, Not he that can guy. Use that to patron saint of murder hobos. <laughs> he could go now murder hobo a bunch of people, and we've been chasing him the whole campaign. Which do we go after? We can't do both. And I guess this would fall into um this category put forward would fall into like the lawful stupid paladins. Yeah. Right. For great justice. How dare you do this one thing? It was wrong. Dude, it was a prank. I put a whoopee cushion. How dare you? You will now taste my steel. No one talks like that, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I will also say, uh, not necessarily in the, 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 the stupid good uh, alignment, but murder hoboing. If you have a great group of murder hobos, it's a, it's a blast. Me and Christian have personally murder hoboed for at least two to three session module campaign things. And I, I can't remember having more memorable times than, like, tomb diving and crushing everybody is a big half work. <laughs> I think it's one of those fun things where you can you can choose one thing that can be ridiculous as part of a serious story and just have fun with that one thing. Absolutely. Like, like pooping in a well. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> <laughs> Another one a Redditor said was that the uh, it was all a dream, which I think anyone in storytelling hates. Oh, so man. oh man, who does that still? I Isn't would, there a I law would, against that? I would leave. <laughs> Petition your I, congressman for no more dreams. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the UN, like, you get kicked out of the UN if you do that. It's the special edition ending of Lost was it was all a dream. I think from, like, season two, people were like, I swear, if this is all a dream that's going inside Hurley's head, I'm literally going to send packages to him from his best friend because that's no way it's <laughs> happening. Uh, I sound like, Andrew, that maybe that's something that's happened to you. Why don't you like that? I, it hasn't happened to me, but I've, I've, I've read enough stories and I've seen enough TV and movies and stuff that it's it's so overused and cliche that it it has I, I feel it's lost its impact no matter where you do it no matter what if you do it oh it's all a dream then you're like well that was a waste of my time then thank you it invalidates the investment you put into enjoying this piece of content exactly and the only thing that makes it worth it is if it's a super twist that you never saw coming but like you said everyone sees it coming now I mean, the, the only way I think that it can still be effectively done is if you do something like uh, what Philip K. Dick did, um, you know, with like Total Recall or something where it's, it was only a dream. Or was it, you know, and, and you kind of like try and figure out, you know, sure. you, have, you have merits on both ends of, yeah, it could have been a dream or it could have been reality, that kind of thing. I want I want to do a, a quick spoiler alert for season one of Trailblazers. It's a big spoiler. It's like the last scene. Uh, I kind of did what you just said there where I kind of left it open. I got an email from a guy who was like, uh, I bet this was all in David's head. I bet he's just dreaming because David's from our world and now he's in this weird magical world of dragons and liches and stuff. And so he's like, I bet it's all a dream. And every time something happens in his world, something happens here. And that's that's why this is happening. Uh, so say a TV show comes on about you know a lich or something. You know, someone, if he's watching Supernatural and there's some undead guy, now there's undead guys in the campaign. And, of course, it's immediately not what I wanted to have happen because of the reasons we talked about. Uh, but at the very end of the campaign, David was waking up in the hospital because he ended up getting back to our world but via an accident that put him in the hospital. So when he was waking up, uh, I, was, I played a song that had played in the campaign. 
it was um, uh, Somebody to Love by Jefferson Airplane, right? There was a mm. point when a helicopter came and attacked everybody and played that song over like these loudspeakers. And so I played that song, and so they hear the beep, beep, beep of a heart monitor in the hospital, and that song... And then at like at the end of the song, you hear, well, that was Jefferson Airplane with somebody to love. Now for your weather report. It was just something on a radio, right? And the nurse comes over, turns off the radio, and you know, kind of we have the conclusion uh, of the whole campaign happens in the next few minutes. So I put that there just for like that one guy. It's like, hey, if you really if – if, if you think that the story would be cool for you if this was all just a dream in his mind, I've given you the out that if you want it to really be that. I personally, that's not the way I craft the story. I don't think there's enough evidence for that, but I've given you enough to kind of play with that. I definitely think that one of my least favorite things that happens uh, in terms of writing is when the author has written everything start to finish, it's all over, and uh, and then post the fact, someone will be like, but what about this? And the author's like, no, that didn't happen. Like, shut up. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the approach when it's kind of like, okay, I've, I've written everything and it's done, and if someone looks at it at a different angle, sure. they don't say anything. They're just kind of like, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the the Five Nights at Freddy's most recent sequel just came out. Uh, yeah. Sister Location. Yep. That that guy is the king of doing that. All he does is his story is so subtext and he, he never confirms anything. He's like, yeah, it's a pretty good theory. I like that one. You did a good job there. That's yeah. all he ever says about anything, right? Like, and we'll then, never have an answer and that's great. And that can infuriate some people when, um, oh, I forget the game. I think it might be Her Story where the creator came out and said, uh, there is a real story there is a continuity and one of you has gotten it right i'm not gonna say who it was but some of you have oh, gotten it right. right that did nothing but infuriate people that sounds like i would do that if i was that guy <laughs> i would say i would i would pit everybody against each other just to see what happens even <laughs> well, if none of them were right him yeah and uh and i'm guessing some of them wouldn't buy that next game from him uh just disliking him so much for doing that it's like where are you gonna where are you gonna come out and say that to us we want to like what ryan's saying i want to have like the let me have that out there. But if you say one of us is right, you've almost kind of taken that away from us. But you're being almost douchebaggery and saying, I'm the only one that knows which it is. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would, I, I would do that even if none of them were right. I would say one of you is right. <laughs> and stop the search for the truth. <laughs> o- open yeah. up a side account and then just post on a forum in the corner as yourself under a different name. Like, this is what happened. <laughs> yes, you got it. <laughs> That guy's not, smart and handsome. <laughs> I'm going to pay him. <laughs> it's something I love doing in my stories and continue to work on doing better. It's that whole idea of, I'm not giving you all the answers. You need to fill in some of the blanks yourself. And I think sometimes for a story, you need in your own mind to come up with the answers. But like you were saying, just just don't say what they are. Just let everyone else kind of go with that and what makes it better. There's, there's nothing more fun than a community getting together over a common thing and saying, let's figure this out together. Let's see what we think. And having all these th- – Lost was so much fun, I think, for that. I know I'm referencing – very. I've referenced this a lot. Lost. It's an old show. But I think that's one of the reasons it was so popular was because they didn't really give you all the answers. They let you come up with some stuff. Most people – most of the anger of Lost was they gave answers. People were like, oh, that's what it was? Whatever. My theory was cooler. Sometimes your, th- your theory is cooler. One of the, the rules of, like, improv, when you're improving a game, a story – in, in, I'm sorry, improving a role-playing game and you're trying to create a story is you let your players create the story. You, you, you put them in a scenario, a mystery, and then you just shut up. You're just quiet and you let them start theorizing. Eventually their theory of what happened is cooler than whatever you would have come up with. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I do. I mean, yeah. as far as like everything that, that, I, that I publish, that I DM, 
at least is I make a skeletal structure and I say here's here's this thing and let them go and then whatever I you know everybody thinks is the coolest you just go with that and you're like okay we're doing that really the best way to GM it removes that fish hooking where it's like what are they going to be interested in they're going to come up with they're interested in you just run with that sure yeah I did that with um, another spoiler alert for, for Trailblazer season one I did that with uh, the assassins that were hunting David uh, originally for me it was like these were kind of like almost real world creatures coming through but they kind of came up with a theory like everything that's come through it's been from a story and so somebody tried to poke a hole in the theory one of the players and said well what about the hell, the Vietnam guy he was from Vietnam that was a real thing and the guy who had the theory said yeah but you know how many movies have been made about Vietnam and that was such a cool concept to me from then on everything that all the assassins were all stories. Everything that came from a story. Freddy Krueger. Things like that. Nothing was real anymore. That's not the way it was, but it ended up being consistent. And they came up with that themselves. And I just took it from them. Without them knowing. I just let them... Then they felt smart. Like, yeah, we figured it out from the start. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> with no particular, like, uh, idea in mind of a show that's done that, I feel like I've definitely heard of people doing that. Where they, they see, like, a theory they like on, like, a fan board of their own show or book or writing. And they're like, that's actually a really good idea. And then they just roll with it. Not a hunt, not exactly the same, but I've read before that um, the writers of Breaking Bad would intentionally write themselves in the corners where they didn't know what was going to go next and just, <laughs> to, just to force themselves to come up with something crazy. And that's how they ended up with the entirety of Breaking Bad. Interesting. Well, it's one of those things where it's like when you're the writer, you're like, I can make the hero come out of this. So I've got to put him in any like, any show ends with, how is he going to get out of this? You know, like the like the oh my gosh, Batman did such a good job at mocking this. Or maybe it was so it was so back in time ago. That is a word for that. Older. It was so old, it was so old that it was actually like doing it genuinely. But I kind of look at it as a mockery. They'd be like, "Will Batman get out of this situation? What will happen to the Cape Crusaders? Find out next week." And then they get out like in the first minute of next week every time. You know that <laughs> right. they're never gonna get. He's gonna pull out the shark repellent and spray it on them. Right? You can always write yourself out of that stuff. It's more fun for the listeners, the people uh, watching, to kind of have that. What's gonna happen? All right, so I've, I got another question for you guys. This one uh, is going to be a quick answer. And uh, I asked the Redditors, what class do you think is the most overpowered? This is specifically for Pathfinder. Unfortunately, it's not for the other games. Uh, what do you What do you think they said? Top ten answers on the board. Wizard. Damn Wizard. Mm. Vigilante? What, was it out at the time? Oh, wait, was it out at the time? Yes, it was. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, the answer first wait, of all, there was a crap about answer. Andrew, Andrew. Oh, I don't ask me. I don't know anything about Pathfinder. Oh, <laughs> take a guess. I'd I'd say like a hunter. I don't know. Is there a hunter class? There is a hunter class. Yeah, uh, hunter. Okay. They they gave a crap answer, which was everything from third party books, and I was like, okay, well, yeah, ding ding. Number one was the number one dragon rider. Correct. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Uh, but. Uh, I think uh, what came up the most was uh, Arcanist and non-Unchained Summoner. So the original Summoner. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I can see both of those. Come out and, and fix that person, which uh, I think I agree with the Summoner one myself. But somebody said Unchained Monk. Is there something really that I'm missing about the Unchained Monk? Not at all. Because there was a very long comment thread about the Unchained Monk. Probably why it's so controversial, because it probably really isn't. I, I'm, did anyone say Swashbuckler? I'm curious to see that. <clears throat> No. So surprising. A lot of people complain about Swashbuckler. My two guesses would be uh, Gunslinger or Blood Rager. Uh, 
I did not get either of those. I did get some barbarian version of barbarian. Okay. But uh, what if people quote like specific builds? <laughs> Superstitious barbarian. I mean, that's up there. Yeah, like the wizard. Somebody said the pact wizard. <laughs> Reflex gunslinger. And, and, and the barbarian came up with a discussion of the unchained monk. It seems to me though it it probably wouldn't be things closer to martial classes. Uh, people would name as overpowered. Like you said, the first. I mean, aside from the third party one, it was summoner and it was uh, arcanist. Arcanist. Like yeah. ma- martial classes at their highest are like I hit really good sometimes, but your AC is ridiculous. Wizards like right. I created an altered reality and I'm gonna hide in it for the rest of my life. I hate you. <laughs> right. I've seen I've seen though um, uh, what do you call this kineticists that do like oh, so much damage, like over 100 damage each turn without like spending a, a point from their pool at all. And when they do spend points, they maximize it, it becomes ridiculous, and they one-shot everything. And uh, Chris, remember you tell me about like a, a cavalier that can do like 100 damage each turn. Like, what about these guys? There's always ways to break anything. And like when you bring up specific builds, like the cavalier is like a charge build. It's a whole build revolving right. around charging past people with a lance. Lances deal double damage on a charge. There's a way to double your damage on a charge on top of that. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really specific build, but I think the only time that balance should really ever be a problem, because you're obviously going to have classes that are stronger or more versatile, um, but the only time it comes a problem is when you interfere with the actual balance of the game naturally, no matter what you do. And 100% Unchained Summoner did that. No matter what you did as an Unchained Summoner, there were no, there was really no bad choices. You would have to go so far out of your way sure. to make a Summoner that didn't A take the job from your fighter because your Edelon is just like this naturally incredibly powerful thing that there's no bad options and then just being a really good spellcaster because their spell list was completely botched and they were 7th level cast 6th level casters but they crammed 9 levels of spells into a 6 levels of casters thing so they actually got spells earlier and ended up being this big mess and like one of my characters was like one of my players was like I want to play a summoner like this was before Unchained was even released and, like, they aren't a power gamer, so I trusted with them. But even with, like, the uh, completely unoptimal choices they made, they still ended up being, mm-hmm. like, middle of the pack, one of the better characters hmm. in combat and out of it. Man, when even, like, that's my first character. I remember asking, and the, and the guy who was helping me create a character goes, we have to ask the GM before you give me a summoner. I'm like, why? He's just like, I don't want to explain it. And he goes to the GM, and he's like, his first time playing? Yeah, sure, let him do it. Because that's the only people who can play it uh, and not just like crazy man. It's completely overpowered, like you said. But Chris, uh, Andrew, here's yeah. my question for you. You have created your own systems, um, mm-hmm. even one so much that you uh, published on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do you, how do you take care of balance? There's so many times when things can just be overpowered. It's like, why wouldn't I pick this guy? He's better than everyone else. How do you deal with that? Uh, okay, so uh, for example, like the, the Blood and Thunder a rule set that I published uh, online. Uh, as as far as balance goes on that, basically what I did was I made the I made it so it's it's kind of classless, where everybody has the same uh, uh, starting health and uh, depending on their you know their their stats that they roll you know they're either better at dex or strength or whatever like that, um, and then and then weapons all do about the same amount of damage give or take, uh, for the most part. Um, because for, for that system, it's all about storytelling and making things really fast and really hectic. So if you want to throw a chair at somebody, you can do that. You don't have to be like proficient in, you know, on, you know, exotic weapons or something like that. You can just do it because like in real life, if you wanted to throw a chair at somebody, it would hurt no matter what. Um, you know, but, but then I, you know, I, I say, um, 
the only the only caveat to that was I, I changed it so that for spellcasting, if they wanted to do more damage, there was a greater potential that they could damage themselves or the party, right? So it's all about risk reward. Um, but for the for the most part, I made kind of everything equal because uh, for the stuff that we run, it's more about story than it is mechanics and, and sure. dice rolls and stuff like that. If if I were to try and make something that was, you know, like Pathfinder level or D and D level, where there's tons of different classes and they all have different stats and different things, do certain amounts of damage and stuff, I think I would go insane because I would try to make it balanced for everything, and I would I would screw up somehow. And and somebody like the very first time we played it, somebody would instantly find that exploit and be like, "Oh well, I just picked this class and I roll D one hundred for damage." And I'd be like, "How sure. do you how do you even do that?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> I threw away all my D one hundred. I didn't think we'd ever need these. What are you doing, Andrew? I got a question for you in your in your campaign, um, Cyberpunk that we were talking about earlier. That I really liked. You said kind of went off the rails. Like there was a, there was a guy who even had like a, a giant cannon gun. They had to like anchor into the ground when he used it. Right. Oh yeah, was, yeah. Was, was was Cyberpunk a system that you made, or is this a, another pre made system? No, I I ended up uh, so Cyberpunk because uh, originally when we first like explored playing any kind of Cyberpunk, we played Shadowrun, and 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 we liked we liked a lot of Shadowrun, but we didn't like. Um, we didn't like magic in there. We wanted it like as hyper realistic as we could. Uh, so I started looking around, and then I found out that there was just an actual campaign or uh, a game system called Cyberpunk. And then the second iteration was called Cyberpunk twenty twenty. And then they made another one, which was like twenty thirty three or something like that, that did horribly. And now they're making a new one twenty seventy seven, which is going to coincide with the game that the people that The Witcher are making, CD Projekt Red. Uh, so we ended up using the, the second system cause I, I read from like, you know, I searched Reddit and all that stuff on, uh, what was the most popular, which was the most balanced and fair. And they also had cyberpunk 2020. So we used that and, uh, there, there's just a gun that is like an anti-tank rifle kind of cannon that you can use. Um, so I think it's there, but Danny kind of flourished it a little bit on like, he needed to have like, um, these giant fasteners that like rivet into the cement so he can fire it so he doesn't like break his collarbone when he shoots and stuff like that and spoiler alert missed like with almost every shot yeah yeah a lot of them yeah <laughs> so it's like even like you can have these super cool weapons but you balance them in such a way it's like yeah but in the hands of anyone they could miss oh oh well it's yeah done. that's what happens yeah. Hey, um, by the way, I really wanted to compliment you on uh, on uh, that phone call. I think it's at the end of, not the last episode, but the second to last episode where uh, the, the captain calls that, that girl we had met in the previous episode. Oh, yeah, that was a, that was a last-minute change in editing. I was like, I need to, I need to spice up the ending because I don't think it's exciting enough. So I right. had to do that. So thank I thought you. that was great, man. That was really, really cool. It was like almost like bittersweet. It almost felt like he knew like things weren't going to go well. I might not right. be out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we do something that's, right for once. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to get out of that. Like, from an emotional standpoint, is this life sucks, you know? And and people, you know, that are in the in the police force know that. So, yeah, well, good, good job well, on that one. I'm I'm glad that it reached at least you. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's end this, guys. I've had you for an hour. Uh, let's end this with one last thing. I want to talk about. You know, we're doing a Halloween themed episode. We talk about Halloween themed sessions. What has been maybe the creepiest thing you pulled off or had pulled off to you in a game? Mm. So, uh, Christian, Taryn, you guys like Taryn, right? 
Wait. That was the dude who wanted to get in John's skin. Oh, right. That was awesome. I okay. didn't remember the name immediately, but no, I know exactly what you're talking so, about. You guys mind filling us in on what's going on? This, this, this wasn't... Remember that inside joke, Ryan? Yeah. That thing that only we did? Uh, this was actually very funny, uh, almost directly after the poop well. So this was great. You had to fix I it had somehow. This in mind, but uh, in, in one of my uh, characters, uh, or my uh, player's backstory, they had a character who was like this killer, and uh, he just kind of butchered his character's family. It was like, I'm going to make you like me. I'm going to make you just like me. And his character's like, no, I'm going to stop you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your like antithesis. Uh, when they get to this elf town, uh, they find this general, and he's like hanging on a rope. And he's, like, standing on a piece of wood on a clock tower. And they're like, oh, oh, God, we gotta get him down. So they all go try and get him down. One of them can fly. They fly up and get him. And he's he's gagged, so he's, like, shaking his head no as they go to save him. And uh, they pull him off, and when they do, uh, they hear something inside, but they don't think anything of it. Uh, when they go back down, uh, they hear a splat inside. And when they go inside, uh, there's a mother and a child, and they just they hit the ground right as they open the door. And it turns out the dude's armor and the mother and son were weighing out each other so they'd have to save him at the same time. And this was the serial killer that's been stalking uh, my player the entire time. They finally meet him, because he, he can, like, change shape and change form and, like, possess people's bodies. He's just talking about how, like, he's rotting, because he this character is his perfect match. He has to get inside of his skin and, like, take his personality, and together they're gonna, like, haunt people for years to come, and it's, like, the voice that I used and his mannerisms that I described altogether like everyone was just kind of like Ugh, like it was it was gross but not in like a i i guess like vomit everywhere way but like like a skin crawly way mm. it was like a, the perfect maniacal very focused ocd killer who had to get his way skin crawling is a good adjective <laughs> yeah well well then uh, i think the creepiest thing was from our our patreon episodes that you have to pay for because it's too extreme for normal people and i don't want just at every average Joe to listen to it. I want people to pay to hear us do horrible things. Sure. <laughs> uh, so we we did a campaign called Mad Max Rape City. Uh, and the creepiest thing I have ever experienced in a role-playing game is our friend Jacob, whose character was, his whole character was this giant, maybe mentally deficient guy, maybe not, in a in a you know in a Mad Max world, right? He's driving this big giant semi truck, and he's sporting uh, com- a full set of knight's armor, and he talks in this really quiet baby voice, and he always wants you to come over and like. But then there's a, a even creepier twist where he's got this giant bathtub set up in the back, where he will crush people in his knight's armor in this bathtub, and then wash himself off with all the water and then it just recycles so he's constantly using the same murder oh. water constantly oh. it's That's terrible it is creepy and gross it gave danny nightmares really yeah oh man oh, my goodness i hope he gets some sort of comeuppance but it sounds like that whole series would have people who full of people who need to get their comeuppance uh, yeah won't. it is it is trigger warning the podcast uh for sure when, when you say, you know, stuck in a bathtub under armor, you just triggered into me uh, my memory of probably one of my creepiest moments. I've mentioned before the whole thing where the guys saw the Cthulhu statue and it drove them insane and they had a roll against trying to kill themselves and each other until, you know, will say, roll, will say, roll, will say, roll, will say. And it was like a player said it was the time where they most in the whole game wanted to succeed in their will saves. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and every time they did, there was another one around the corner. Uh, but I've, I've mentioned that one already. So when you talk about you know in the armor, in the tub, my players had to go to a, um, a torture room, a torture chamber, because they, they got some intel that there's an item that they, is very important that they need to get from there, right? Um, that, that the torture chamber doesn't even know it has, but it is there. So they go there. And it's one of those things where it was creepy because it was based in reality. I had different torture devices there that had been used in, in human history, in real our world human history. Uh, but nothing was really going on actively except for something deeper down in the dungeon. They could hear screaming. And they didn't know what it was, but of course it had to be terrible. So you know, they go through some encounters, and when they finish off like these terrible things, and, and, and they get to, because the people who were doing this stuff were not like nice or good-looking look, good people. Uh, when they finally get to the source of the screaming, which has stopped, it's a brazen bull. And if no one knows what a brazen bull mm. is, yeah, it was yeah. a hollowed-out oh, bull, which they would put somebody in, and then they would light a fire underneath it, and it was like a giant oven, just in the shape of a bull. And it was shaped in such a way that it would make sounds when people screamed. It would sound kind of like a bull making noises. And uh, what it was was they would put somebody in a suit of armor, right, a crappy suit of armor, and put them in this bull and light the fire and cook them in it. Uh, but you know, my players were creeped out because the guy obviously had just died. They had heard him screaming earlier, and none of my players have ever heard of a brazen bull. It was the first time they were introduced to this concept, and so I told them, "Oh, by the way, I didn't make this up. This is a real thing." They were very like they wanted to get out of there, and it wasn't even like a fear like somebody's going to beat us up and put us in there. They were just genuinely creeped out that like this was a this was something that it, it breached the game wall. It was reality, and that's like worse in a way. And and they ended up finding out like the piece that they needed. They were looking for this glove that could rust any metal it touched and ended up that the glove was part of the suit of armor but to activate it you just need to get a little liquid on it so say if you spat on it or dipped it into some water then it would work so the hundreds or the tens of people that got run through that brazen bull had in their right hand the ability to get out just nobody ever knew about it that's that's dark bro <laughs> <laughs> And all my and all my parents are dead, and all my backstories. <laughs> do do you know the fun irony no, no. of the brazen oh, bull? Oh, I think I do, but please tell the story. Okay, so uh, the story goes that uh, I'm pretty sure it was a Greek guy who made the brazen bull. Uh, it might have been for like the king of Crete or something, but he makes this bull, and he's like, "Yeah, this is gonna make you like the fear of all your enemies, and it's pretty brutal, and I'm really metal, <laughs> and I'm very proud of myself." And the king's like, "You are pretty metal. We're gonna try it on you first. And he's like, "Wait, what?" So they jam him in the bull yeah. and they cook the guy yeah. who made it. He's like, he was too evil. I think, I think the, the idea was he was telling about how it'll make the sound of a bull when somebody's yelling there. He goes, really? Uh, why don't you show yep. me? The guy gets in, they lock it on him. Yep. And then, uh, but I like, I, I like uh-huh. the idea of if you're going to come up with this thing that's going to torture brutally hundreds of people, you're the first victim. Who, who tried the first know. guillotine? Johan Guillotine? <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone have a history book? They actually, you know, they used to refer right to now. the guillotine as Madame Guillotine. Mm-hmm. But I take it, it was the person that made it. It was his wife. Ooh, wow, Madame Guillotine. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yikes. Well, on that wonderfully happy and, and, and Halloween theme note, Christian, why don't you tell us uh, what's the creepy? I ran. Thing? Uh, I made my own setting that's like kind of grim dark. Ooh. It's it's kind of like post-apocalyptic in nature, but like an apocalypse never really happened. The world just slowly turned into what it was okay and there had been like a series of storms and the players all had their own backstory reasons to go investigate an asylum 
but it wasn't really just an asylum. Like you've already put a lot of this people... into an environment that I already am spooked to move on. <laughs> um, anyone that, in this setting, anyone that dies of natural causes, like they don't die a very violent death, they just kind of pass away. They rise as basically revenants of a kind. Um, so like people didn't want to have hospitals in cities because everyone was turning into these things sure. and they couldn't handle it. So they kind of offset all the hospital, all the childbirth. Like, basically anything involving uh, old people, sick, um, babies, was all pushed onto this asylum. And, the like, the asylum had to have all these, like, extensions built onto it to accommodate all these people. And they had to go investigate because, like, they weren't accepting their shipments or they weren't requesting shipments for supplies anymore. And that's why the players were there. And they're trying to get into the asylum. And there was three stories to it. And they get up to the door and there's people inside... And they don't know what they're trying to do, and they keep communicating with these people, and they can't figure out what their deal is. They hear digging, they say they're trying to fix it, and they're trying to get them to go away. And the players keep pressing them, and they're like, no, like, we're looking for people. Like, some people had kids that were in there, like, babies that had to be in, uh, like, basically a maternity ward kind of thing. Um, people had, like, elderly people that were there that they had to go check up on. And the guy was like, no, really, leave us alone. And they were like, no, we're coming in. And he was like, okay, you asked for it, and he whistles, and... Out the top window on the third floor was the um, children's ward. Like, a pair of hands comes out, and one hand there's a baby, and the other hand there's a knife, and he's like, we're going to start killing kids if you guys don't get out of here. It was just a introduction to the really dark setting, that the, the situation the players had to deal with. Wow. And they were like, we're just going to start tossing babies out the window if you don't mm. just get away did from the players us. players back off? Uh, they did. They came up with a plan, and they, they kind of, like, grappled to the roof and snuck in. Oh, right, no. Um, when they gave... There was, like, food going up to the top floor to that guard, and they poisoned that food and put them to sleep, and then they snuck up there and attacked from above. Gotcha. Well, that's better than most of my players do. They would just, like, do the sneak part without the poisoning and sleep part first. Well, see, my players would call their bluff and then watch a few few babies die first. <laughs> they wouldn't do that a <laughs> second time. <laughs> 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 How many babies could they possibly have And as a there? horrible DM, I'd be like, well, they have infinite babies. Let's keep going. You know, that's, I think, one of the... A very creepy game that, to me, you know, Resident Evil, some of the, you know, the mm. first games, really had set the bar for me in my childhood as a creepy game. I remember being terrified when I was younger about Resident Evil. I played with my uncle and he was deaf, right? Or I watched him play, I should say. The very first Let's Play was with my uncle, right? In real life. And, and I was young, I was watching him play it. And I'd be scared. I'd be telling him, like, there's zombies, there's zombies, I can hear him. And he would just shrug and say, I can't hear him. Oh, man. <laughs> it, just, it just did not affect him at all. And he would just move on. Uh, but I remember that game being so scary. And the next game that did that for me in my adulthood was um, Dead Space. Oh, yeah. Dead Space, to me, was a very creepy game. And when Dead Space 2 came out, I'm like, how are they going to top this? And in some ways they didn't, but in one way they very much did. And that was when you got to the maternity ward. Oh, yeah, the, that nursery thing, yeah. Yeah, and there's, yeah. you see there's like, almost, it's like a little cutscene that you just, you know, the, the game did a very good job of putting it in front of you without it being a cutscene. And you looked at it, and it's a little mother who's like obviously crazy because this place has just made her crazy. She's like, come here, come here, little boy, come here, come on, I love you. And crawling is this pustule, green, glowing baby that's obviously, it's like, she must be crazy because things monster. And it rolls over to it, and she hugs it, and it explodes, and blood just splatters the window you're looking at. And the babies in this game are gosh darn suicide like banelings from StarCraft. And it's it's terrible. In the first game, there were babies, but they, they didn't do this. They just like shut out like tentacle things. This was really, really messed up. I remember that doing it, doing it for me. I just like, you've creeped me out. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that 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 concludes our, our special party Halloween episode. We conclude on babies exploding. I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, but uh, I want to thank you so much. A lot of baby death at the end there. We really saved that all for the finale. <laughs> I mean, where are we going to go from there, right? Hey, guys, what uh, what what class do you think is the most fun? Oh, hey, everybody is insane. Uh, <laughs> the baby killer. Favorite memory in a maternity ward. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, but we talked to you, Andrew, before. I want to bring up stuff like Cthulhu and stuff. But we actually already talked to you about that in previous episodes yeah. where kind of inspiration is Cthulhu. Matter of fact, you've, there's an interview free. You don't even need to be a Patreon. Usually they're exclusive for Patreons on his uh, feed that has an uh, interview with him where I talked to him about uh, some of the stuff, his inspirations from Cthulhu-inspired things. That all kind of fits the whole creepy mantra. And I think that's a great thing to explore. I love the Cthulhu uh, mythos, and I always put it in my games. Even in Trailblazers, I put it in, uh, even in a, a small way. But uh, that, that's a fun way. That's why I didn't explore it in this episode. But thank you all so much for coming. Ryan, I appreciate you taking time to come uh, come on and be a part of this episode. Uh, Christian, of course, as always. Andrew, it's been too long. I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a long time. Thank you for having me back, man. And I look forward to doing this again next year, guys. It's going to be uh, – I'm trying to keep this thing annual. A little party can have some fun to relax things up uh, and always have a little spooky Halloween episode. Because you know what, guys? Everyone does Christmas episodes. Even some people do, like, Valentine's Day episodes. But, I mean, who does a Halloween episode, really? Let's, let's guys Day. let's put that on point guys we got it let's lock it it's in it's ours it's ours now that's our zone it's Halloween zone that's our zone now alright you can tell because I have spooky scary skeletons about to come on to end, to end these credits alright guys it's spooky no it's scary please and you know what? it's a remix I'm gonna scream yeah that's right dance you're gonna dance your way out of this podcast dead babies dance that's what's exactly what's gonna happen <laughs> uh, thank you everyone on reddit I don't think anyone's ever uttered that sentence before to answer questions uh, <laughs> And thank you, everyone, on Funny Junk, which I know no one's ever answered that before. before. All right. Thank you guys all for for, uh, coming to the party episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And happy Halloween! Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. I want to talk about... Does anyone else have that where if you scan your computer, your gosh darn computer uh, unstores? I don't know how to say this. All your passwords. Wait, you auto save you auto save your passwords in your browsers? I do. Ooh. 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 Okay. Kale, don't let me near your computers. I, I know how to fix it really easy. All you have to do is read me the three numbers on the back of your credit card and preferably your whole social security. <laughs> okay. Uh, the right. last four should suffice, though. Yeah, absolutely. There's only two letters here. It just says F and U. <laughs> I'm punching it in. Oh, you ever seen those glitter bombs? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I, glitter is my bane. I'm a custodian, and there's two things I hate in this world. One is people and two is people, but as it relates to the you know custodial world, it's glitter and dust. Glitter just is impossible to get up. It's like it's there. I guess that'll be there till the building burns down. Oh well. And yes, I have burned a building down just to get rid of it. It's the only way to get things clean. Fire. It's the only way. I've been fired a lot of times. Uh, I actually I actually differentiated this one uh, to uh, there was three answers. No, yes. Male playing female and female playing male. Uh, I don't know how many females were polled, but only one of them said they played a male character. Meanwhile, 13 of the guys said they had played a female character. Don't know if that means anything. I feel like there's there's too small a pool to draw any conclusions from that. I 
I feel like it's a lot like how in Mass Effect, a lot of people just play the female Shepard. Like, I, I don't know why, I, I always kind of just immediately pick male Shepard because I'm a male. So it just kind of right. seems sensical. It seemed easier to get in the head of it. But like, every other guy I talk to is like, yeah, Femme Shepard, yeah. <laughs> Bouncy Red Shepard, I mean, I love Red Shepard. <laughs> Go on. No, don't need to stop, continue. What were you going to say? <laughs> No, I think a lot of people, they just like, I'm going to see the butt of this character. Do I want to see a guy's butt for the next, you know, 10 hours of my life or however long it takes to play Mass Effect? right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know what? I think whenever I, when I play Mass Effect, I pick Guy Shepard. First off, I think the voice actress was way better than the voice actor. But I picked him because I like to role play. I like to be in that character. So I like to pretend I am that character and I'm a guy. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know what? I did want to get with Garrus very hardcore if it wasn't for Tally <laughs> don't right remind there. me don't. Yeah, Gary, Tally was just so awesome but uh, second was you know Garrus he's close on that list my, my favorite thing is the plot twist where uh, her Tally's face mask is full of mustard gas so you get her naked <laughs> all of a sudden you're just on the ground and like bleeding and crying dude spoilers I haven't played Mass Effect 3 yet because it's I'm not available here, my bad <laughs> Get your, get your crap together, Origin, or you play or whatever else is not Steam. You're all irrelevant. I don't need to differentiate between you. It's the one everyone plays, and the one sometimes people are forced to play. That's the difference. And I, Andrew, I promise you I've given you uh, 50% of all of our profits so far. Christian, Ooh. I've given you 50% of all of our profits. Every cent I've sent you, I want you to know, I've also received that same amount. Huh. <laughs> Oh, that's do you nice. want to share the debt? Because we can do that. Oh, more than willing. Freaking guys, the internet not free. Mm -mm. Oh. Weird. Nope. There's hosting no. costs. This is why I refuse to leave my co uh, college campus and stop living on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's Halloween. Memes. 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 Reddit memes. Halloween memes. Hollow meme. <laughs>